Thank you for joining us. The Dacus Report is on the air to defend your religious freedom, your parental rights, and other civil liberties. And now, with the latest information, is your host, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Uh, On today's show, we're going to interview one of our attorneys out of our uh, Nevada office, Emily Mimnaw, about what's taking place uh, on a number, in a number of areas, and one of them I want to start off with, Emily, is dealing with the recognition of Flag Day. Let's start with a positive. This is a great positive thing. Uh, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Brad. Now, the Flag Day, uh, this is a, you know, it's a symbol of America. It's a celebration of, of, of who we are. Uh, but it's also about uh, rec- respecting the, the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, I know we at Pacific Justice Institute have definitely had a role in defending the Pledge of Allegiance, haven't we? Absolutely. In fact, that was my, as um, going back before I was an attorney, before I was with PJI as a student at high school, PJI actually stepped in in Northern California and defended my school district when an individual who is particularly litigious and well-known to PJI, though I, I did not know that at the time, actually sued my school district, Elk Grove Unified School District, because we had a tradition of having teachers lead the students in the Pledge of Allegiance. And this is something I had formative growing up, and all the students in my school district in Northern California was, you know, an important and, and, you know, civic, national, patriotic um, daily routine. And this was something that came under litigation because this individual objected, of course, to part of the pledge that said one nation under God. And he he argued that, you know, inflicting students upon even hearing the name God, you know, even if they weren't required to participate, that 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 was offensive. And so PJI stepped in and and defended our flag and our Pledge of Allegiance. And that was one of the most, you know, something I remember very early on in my first experience with PJI, even though I I didn't know it at the time. Yeah, Uh, you're right. Uh, We've we've been doing this for quite some time. And uh, uh, it was um, very important uh, to make sure that uh, something as basic as our Pledge of Allegiance would not be struck down as unconstitutional because it mentioned God. Now, um, is there a difference between um, one nation under God and public schools um, versus, you know, establishing a religion? I mean, isn't, isn't that the, the distinction that the courts made that, you know, just because you reference God... Uh, in your your Pledge of Allegiance, that doesn't mean you're establishing a religion? Yeah, I think that's one of the things that people who maybe aren't really familiar with the law or the Constitution tend to get confused about. As Sports Illustrated clearly falls into this category, and I think we're going to talk about that a little later on. But people say, oh, well, you know, we we have this separation of church and state. We have this establishment clause that says— the, the federal government, the states, cannot establish a national religion. Absolutely. We definitely have a, you know, a constitution that says these states cannot establish you know, an official state church. That, that's very different than saying we have to purge God, purge any recognition of the divine, any recognition of God as our creator. Uh, that, 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 that doesn't mean that God just disappears from the public sphere. And time and time again, even the Supreme Court has been very clear about the fact that since the literal founding of our history, since the founding of our nation, I should say, the the founders have been clear about recognizing God and and recognizing our inalienable inalienable rights granted to us 
by God. So the idea that we need to strip God from the, you know any any public function, any public school, is of course counter to the very founding of our nation. Yeah, and I think that's the, the key is recognizing that uh, it's a part of understanding who we are as a nation, our, our constitution, uh, philosophically, how we came into existence, how we function. Uh, you know, we're, we're very sort of unique as a nation because we said, you know, the rights that we have do not come from the king. Uh, they're not arbitrarily given to us by whoever happens to be in power. Uh, our rights are given to us by our creator, <coughs> excuse me, by God. So <coughs> I think that as we look at this, um, this is about just being honest about uh, who we are. You know, I, I think it's interesting when you, Emily, when you talk to uh, someone who's an atheist, a dogmatic atheist, and uh, you say, uh, you know, do we have fundamental rights? You know, rights, because, oh, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, rights, uh, fundamental rights, and where do fundamental rights come from? And they'll hem and they'll haw. But the bottom line is, the, just the recognition of fundamental rights means you recognize something above man, uh, God, that, that uh, created these according to the laws of nature and nature's God. So you can recognize, the point is you can recognize our history, who we are as a nation, where our rights have, have been derived from, uh, without going off and endorsing one religion over another and saying, you know, the Lutherans have it right or the, you know, the Jewish people have it right. Um, you, this is about recognizing our heritage, who we are, where our rights come from. And why is that, why is that important that we as a nation recognize that, Emily? Because uh, many people say, well, okay, so, so what? Why does it matter that we recognize fundamental rights and where they come from and that they come from God uh, as opposed to just something created by arbitrarily by a tribunal somewhere. It's a fundamental, I would say, principle against tyranny about the idea that the state does not have the inherent right to limit or restrict or encroach upon fundamental God-given rights, God-given liberties. You know, your First Amendment doesn't really come from the government. It didn't even come from the founding fathers. It comes from God. We have a fundamental right to freedom of religion, freedom of expression. And, you know, part of our pursuit of happiness is, is seeking, seeking our creator, seeking God, seeking our fulfillment and your, you know, really your purpose in life. That's not something that the state, the county, the governor, the, the president gives you. It's not, it's written on a piece of paper, but it is a God-given liberty. And if you, I really do think there's a danger if people do not understand that that is inherent in our creation, that pursuit of God, pursuit of our relationship with him, if that's not understood as a fundamental, you know, fundamental really to our being, that that's that, that you start seeing these encroachments by government, by governors, by these issues, by these dictates, um, you know, in states of emergency and, and other I, in other instances where you think, oh, well, there's something more important. There's really nothing more important, of course, than people's ability to pursue their relationship with their creator. Yeah, when we don't have fundamental rights, we've seen it historically what happens when people think they, you know, the leaders think that they are the absolute authority and they can just do whatever they wish based on their own whims and pronounce whatever they want to be right or wrong. We, that was like, you know, Joseph Stalin. What happened? Millions of people died. Adolf Hitler, millions of people died. Mao Zedong, millions of people died. Uh, Pol Pot, millions of people died. So, uh, you know, it's, we've seen that it's very dangerous from the top down, but it's also dangerous from the bottom up in a society because a society that doesn't re that acknowledge God and instead has a, a free-for-all and just continually 
uh, unwinding the, the concepts of, of right and wrong or the existence of a right and wrong, uh, we then have almost a, a, uh, a chaos in our society, a complete uh, depravity in our society. And unfortunately, that's something that many people have recognized is happening to America as we speak uh, when we see efforts on a massive scale to shake our fist at God and say, we will take pride in that which is an abomination to you. Um, I, I see that as a very spiritual, spiritually a very serious challenge to this nation that also manifests itself in terms of policy, laws, in fact, laws that are challenging uh, to uh, religious freedom as we know it. Uh, we still see serious efforts, don't we, to try to silence uh, any reference to God in the public sphere, don't we? Uh, absolutely. PJI is regularly asked to defend and step in, you know, always pro bono, not for charge, defend local school boards, counties. Actually, our chief counsel, you know, was involved in defending uh, the actual administration of the presidential oath for Mr. Obama. Um, so it's not just Republicans and that, you know, that, that in, in those types of situations that call on PJI where we need to step in and defend literally just the right to reference God, to take an oath under God. And most recently, of course, we're seeing this with respect to the, I, I think it's pretty well known, the football coach, Coach Kennedy case, where he was fired because after the football games, he would publicly go and kneel and pray on the field, not compelling any other students or any other participants to join. But that was part of his devotion, his Christian private devotion at the end of a game. And he was fired for publicly being seen, just being seen as praying on the claim that that was a violation of the Establishment Clause and separation so-called of church and state. And a recently, Sports Illustrated decided that they needed to weigh in on this, you know, query why Sports Illustrated felt the need to opine on matters of religious freedom and the Constitution, but they, they really stepped in, I'll just leave it at that, with their, with their tweet saying that a ruling for Coach Kennedy would be the, quote, erosion, the erosion of, you know, the bedrock Pinning, underpinnings of American democracy, which is just outrageous. I, I, I think it shows you the, the, the lack of education. This is an example of public school education, I think. <laughs> I, I see no connection there. I, that doesn't make sense. Um, you know, that you, we're talking about defending individual liberty here. How is recognizing individual liberty of this coach to not have to be silent to himself uh, a, a, an attack on on a free society on a, to express themselves. Uh, this is just shows another, is another example, I think, of intolerance uh, by a philosophy that says we don't have freedom of religion, we have freedom from religion. Uh, that is a, the ideology, I think, that's permeating by Sports Illustrated. I mean, I, I wish I could cancel my subscription, but I don't have a subscription to Sports Illustrated. Um, so, but maybe some, some guys out there, gals, okay, so I'm not discriminating. Um, you know, maybe you might want to cancel your subscription. I mean, we got to speak up, folks. Now's not the time to be silent. Um, let them know that you, you don't appreciate their attack on your freedoms and liberties, or much less this, of this coaches. Uh, we've been involved, though, in a number of cases, haven't we, uh, Emily, defending uh, uh, the, the acknowledgement of God in the public square, haven't we? Yeah, actually, my, my first case with PJI, I, I was asked to send a letter, basically very politely explaining the law, uh, to some detractors actually in Texas who were objecting to simply displaying the national motto, In God We Trust, 
in the room where the school board met. The, the idea that in God we trust, literally our national motto was so offensive that it had to be taken down. And so we, we put together a very thorough letter explaining why there's absolutely no reason why that should violate the Establishment Clause. And Supreme Court time and time again has been very clear on that, particularly with cases that PJI brought um, and can, you know, continues to stand up and defend this simple right to say that in God we trust, literally our national motto. And I really like, when you look at, I'll just say the ignorance from Sports Illustrated on this, this matter where they say, you know, a ruling for Coach Kennedy is the erosion of American democracy. Literally nothing could be further from the truth. The, the literal foundation of our democracy, the first Continental Congress, hired and paid out of, you know, actual, you know, government money, paid a chaplain during the first Continental Congress while they were establishing these specific rights and our very democracy. The Supreme Court pointed that out in one of one of their many cases addressing this. I think it was Marsh v. Chambers in the right. 80s. So it, right. it, it's very, very well established. Yeah, it, it is. And uh, it's, it's, it's interesting in the, the Marsh v. Chambers case how, um, you know, the court made it just very clear that uh, that, that you can't. Uh, it, you know, it makes no sense that they would allow uh, there to be a chaplain in Congress to and a, and a chaplain designated to uh, to to officiate prayers, and at the same time uh, possibly rule that it's somehow unconstitutional for state legislators uh, to have prayers to acknowledge God. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense. And uh, so we have there's solid case law precedents. I know personally, Emily. Um, a number of years ago, uh, I had a case where uh, we were defending in God we trust uh, on our currency. As we all know, the American currency, it all has our, that, that on there, uh, you know, in God we trust on our currency. And, um, and so, uh, you know, this was being challenged by Michael Newdow. And uh, I went into court and uh, we argued the case and uh, we won uh, before the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, you know, I saluted Michael on doing an excellent job in his argument. He's a brilliant attorney. Uh, I, he's just wrong on the Establishment Clause. I actually even call him a friend, if you will. Uh, he's a very nice guy. Uh, but uh, many people who are, are nice, um, who mean well, uh, just don't have this right. And I think part of it's because they don't really are willing to grasp uh, the real true origins of our Constitution and the concepts of the necessity, not just the convenience, but the necessity uh, to recognize God in order for anything to make sense with regards to fundamental rights, etc. So uh, we've also been involved, though, not just in defending in God we trust on our currency, uh, the Pledge of Allegiance, um, but also the national motto is applied to uh, school boards as well. Yeah, we, there have been questions. I think people get confused. As you say, really, I think well-meaning in some cases, people don't want to, you know, offend other people of other faiths. And so there has been a misconception that, you know, it, it's it's unconstitutional or unlawful to open a school board meeting or a legislative session with prayer, sometimes called a convocation, and that nothing, again, could be further from the truth. And PJI is, is really able to help walk people through the ways in which that can be done, you know, not just lawfully, but really to the benefit of everyone, where you can have you know, you can have a rabbi lead a prayer, you can have a priest lead a prayer, you can have a local pastor lead a prayer. And, and these can be sectarian prayers. You can have, you know, a rabbi, you know, using traditional Jewish prayers at the beginning of a school board meeting. And it's actually a really great way for people in the community to have their voices 
their religious voices heard. And again, not a necessary you know, violation of the Establishment Clause. So yeah, that's a really great point, is that people also get confused about that point. And it's something that PGI is, is, is able and happy to speak to very, very um, effectively. Yeah, I know we've helped uh, an organization in God We Trust Incorporated uh, to help put the, our, uh, our national motto um, you know, uh, all across the country in terms of school boards, have them actually posted at school boards, um, put on uh, police cars across the nation. Um, there really is no limit. We even helped, I'll never forget it, a friend of mine uh, who's on a school board, and he said, uh, can we have it in, in concrete? right there at the, you know, at the foot of the American flag where the, the flagpole is. I said, yeah. So they put in concrete <laughs> our national motto, um, you know, in God we trust, right there. And um, in concrete, he wanted it in concrete. He, he wanted it very difficult to be removed down the road. But that could happen at any school across the nation. And one's great, one thing I think it's really great for people to understand is that we at Pacific Justice Institute, we have offices all across the country. We actually have staff offices in uh, 20 states across the nation. We just recently opened one in North Carolina. And uh, anywhere you are in the United States, uh, whether it's a school board, um, you know, a public place, uh, we, they want to say the Pledge of Allegiance, or Pledge of Allegiance, of course, they want to have a, uh, open up with a prayer. Uh, we can show them how to do that. If they want to post, in God we trust, our national motto, uh, we can show them how to do that. We not only show them how to do it, we, we'll step in and represent them uh, without charge if they're challenged uh, after the fact. So um, we, we're very empowering as an, as an organization uh, more, more than any other organization in the country because of all the offices we have across the country to be able to do this on, on a grassroots level that I know so many people have been so grateful for uh, moving ahead. What about, uh, what about you know, the, the President Obama's presidential inauguration? Uh, I know uh, that was something else that uh, has been had caught a lot of attention. And uh, what what happened there? Right. Part of the inauguration is that there is an oath taken, and you swear under God. And there were two ministers that were to be involved in, in that inauguration, the inauguration and convocation. And these two ministers were actually sued, and they were named personally in this lawsuit. And again, PJI stepped in and successfully defended them. Um, before, I believe, the D.C. Circuit Court in that situation. So, you know, even in the Obama administration, PJI was able to step up and help, you know, both these ministers and God be, you know, visually and verbally present. And I, I, th I think that is important. And, you know, I, I love the idea of having in God we trust in concrete in front of the schools. It's it's a really great thing that local communities can do. I know here one of our local courthouses has the Ten Commandments actually posted um, in concrete in front of in front of our courthouse. And, you know, I, I should say, go to pji.org if you want to reach out, if your community wants um, to expand, you know, use the national motto, or if people, you know, need perhaps some help understanding the law in relation to that. Yeah, also on our, on our website at pji.org, people can uh, sign up to get our, our Legal Insider newsletter uh, to keep them updated. We have over 90 cases, as you know, Emily, in active litigation all across the country. Um, they're not going to get updates on this stuff from the mainstream news, uh, but they can get it if they go to pji.org and sign up to get our Legal Insider newsletter. It's without charge. They can also sign up to attend our Celebration of Justice uh, event on October 22nd. Uh, we're going to have uh, former Governor Mike Huckabee as a keynote. We're also going to have 
Charlie Kirk from Turning Point USA. They're both going to be there. They're both going to be speakers. Uh, it's going to be a five-star event. Uh, it's going to be at the JW Marriott in Anaheim. Uh, we already, I think, are over, over 50% of the, the tickets sold. And, uh, I mean, the event's not until October 22nd, and yet they're already being sold. Uh, we're probably going to sell out a, a month or two in advance. So I encourage people, if they want to sponsor a table, uh, if they want to, to come, it's a great event, and it's a great way also to support the work of Pacific Justice Institute and the work that we're doing to defend uh, faith and freedom across the nation. So uh, without question, we've been actively involved in defending faith. We defended you know, the, um, the benediction in that, that presidential inauguration. I'll never forget that, uh, where uh, Pastor Rick Warren was going to be given, and, and, and he was sued to stop him from being able to pray at the presidential inauguration for President Obama. Uh, we were called, he called our office. We represented him. We flew. We argued the, in the next day in Washington, D.C. We defended him giving that prayer, and we won. We won on appeal also on the circuit court level, the D.C. circuit, and uh, it was an honor and privilege to defend Pastor Rick Warren, uh, but not just him, but also America and our ability to maintain the reverence of this very important occasion, uh, the uh, inauguration of the President of the United States. I'd like to move, if we can now, to New York. Now, New York has been so problematic. Uh, it, like California, I mean, it just keeps passing more and more evil, and more and more people keep fleeing that evil and moving to other states. Uh, but I understand they have a six-bill abortion package, pro-abortion baby-killing package, in legislation. Please tell me more. Well, unfortunately, it is accurately described, I think, by the governor's office and proudly posted right now on their website, Governor, unelected governor, I should say, Governor Hochul, Kathy Hochul, claiming that it is the nation-leading legislative package to protect abortion, their words. And it does that. And, you know, I will add some good news, which is that they, are, they had also attempted before the New York legislator, legislation, um, legislature um, ended for the season, they, they had also attempted to pass a state constitutional amendment, so-called Equality Act, you know, providing protections for abortion and, and same-sex um, individuals and gender based on gender orientation, but, of course, excluding religion. So I should say the good news is that did not pass yet. But you have this suite of bills, six different bills, all working to both fund abortion directly through the state and, and, and this is really egregious, I think, and working specifically to target pro-life centers and come after them and investigate them, literally authorizing the, the New York State Office of um, Department of Health to go after those pro-life centers. So both money directly to fund abortions in the state and a direct... In, um, direct guidance to the state to investigate and, and frankly, look to shut down pro-life centers. Yeah, that's, it's just, that's so evil. Uh, these pro-life centers have done so much work uh, to, to help women in crises, to give them real alternatives. Uh, there's, there's probably hundreds of thousands of, of, of human beings alive today that wouldn't be but for the existence of these uh, pro-life pregnancy centers uh, they would have gone to Planned Parenthood and been deceived and uh, taken advantage of and, um, and their babies uh, murdered. So um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's hideous that New York is doing this. And uh, I think the people in New York should be outraged. Uh, they should be outspoken. 
you know, they have a governor who is totally beholden to this. I understand that not only did the supposedly did uh, the governor uh, Hockle sign bills to protect abortion centers, but um, as you said before, they're also going to be attacking uh, pro-life centers. Uh, you know, the, this is a, a serious atrocity. Uh, Emily, Pacific Justice has successfully defended pro-life centers, haven't we, against states seeking to li limit them and shut them down in yeah, the past? Yeah, this, this is not, unfortunately, a new tactic, compelling pro-life centers to post publicly in their, within their own walls information on how to obtain abortions from state providers. So a pro-life center, a center that is usually, you know, often Christian-funded, dedicated to preserving life, was being compelled by the state of California to post information about how to obtain abortions. Now we're seeing the start of something similar in New York. It's just a part of an, an evil attempt to, uh, to thwart humanity and to thwart human dignity, uh, the dignity of life. And it's, it's a real tragedy to see New York moving in this direction without a doubt. Pacific Justice Institute invites you to join in the fight to protect our religious liberties. Consider volunteering in one of our California offices or become an affiliate attorney. Visit our website to find out more, pji.org. And while you're there, subscribe to our Legal Insider to keep updated on all of our current cases. Pacific Justice Institute. Together, we can make a difference. So folks, just remember, it's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms. Thank you for listening in today. To find out more about the Pacific Justice Institute or the Dacus Report, call 916-857-6900 or log on to pacificjustice.org.